Man, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for worshiping with us. It's always great to gather together as family and just be in the presence of Jesus. How many of you know if Jesus wasn't here, it wouldn't be worth coming together? Like, I'd love you guys. I love seeing you, but Jesus is the reason that we're here this morning. So that's, he was in this place this morning. He's moving among us. I trust that he's working in your life and you're encountering him even as we worship together. Uh, Man, I had so many things that were popping into my head that I wanted to say this morning, and none of them were good because they were all had to do with football. And it's, uh, it's not been a good time right now, so I will move right along to the other stuff that's in my notes. But uh, have, you, have you ever noticed, we're in a series called Perspectives, and have you ever noticed that people look at the same thing and they come up with vastly different ideas about what's going on? And sometimes we appreciate the differences. We may say, hey, fall is your favorite season. Well, summer is my favorite season. We're different in that way. Any, any fall fans in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for all this stuff outside. Uh, so we may appreciate the differences. We may say, hey, that's just something we can talk about. We appreciate it. But sometimes, do you ever notice the differences that people are willing to fight about? whether it's how, how you raise your kids or what's going on in the country, all these different things, people get up in arms about it. And part of our job as Christians is to show people there's a different way of handling these differences. There's, there's a better path. Jesus called us to be peacemakers. He called us to be servants, to lay down our lives. The world is not going to show the way of how to navigate our differences nicely. Come on, it is up to Christians, the body of Christ, people filled with the Spirit of God to say, here's how we handle this. Here's a different way that we can love one another. And uh, this week I was, I was thinking about the, the uh, cliche of is the glass half full or half empty? If you've been watching the Steelers or the Panthers, it looks like it's half empty right now. But I saw a cartoon that solves this question once and for all. Uh, so there's two fish in this, this bin of water. <laughs> One of them says, it's half empty, it's definitely half empty, because he's out of the water and he's not breathing. And uh, the other fish says, listen to you, always the pessimist. So it may be just that you're in a different season of life. It's not half full or half empty, it's just different for you. And uh, I was also looking at this one, uh, your perspective may be different depending on what circumstances you're going through. Go ahead and put that other one up there. Here's a guy on a deserted island, he's all excited, it's a boat! And here's a guy that's been stranded at sea saying, look, it's land! It's, it's, sometimes you just got to wait a second for it to go through the crowd. Come on, sometimes you realize your perspective might be coming from your circumstances. And that's not who we're called to be. The key thought that we've been going back to for this series is the world says what you see influences your perspective. And the kingdom says there's a perspective already in place that influences what you see. Are we being shaped by heaven? Are the things that we're seeing driven by the realities and the truth of who God is and what he's promised to us? Or are we being swayed around by what we see going on around us? And here's a key verse in the Bible that articulates that thought. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We live by faith, not by sight. Think about how much of our lives are shaped by sight. Did you see the news? What do things look like? Come on, all those things that we ask all the time, we're always trying to get a handle on what's going on, what did I see, what are the circumstances, and that's what sight says. But living by faith says, what is God saying? 
Have you prayed about that? What is faith reporting on this situation? That's the difference in living by faith and by sight. What kind of questions are we asking? What details are we trying to get? Are we trying to figure out everything that's happening in the natural? Or are we asking God, what are you saying about this situation? Living by faith versus sight. I, I almost hate to be the one to break it to you if you've never thought about this before. But living by faith versus sight is not a one-time decision that you make and then it's good for the rest of your life. Come on, I got saved. I met Jesus. Now everything in life, I'm going to see it through the eyes of faith. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like if Jesus could just flick a switch in our brain and like, hey, I'm never going to live by sight again. I'm going to live by faith the rest of my life. Come on, it is a daily series of decisions that we make. When we're confronted with circumstances, we get to choose how am I going to see this? I think that's part of why we need to be connected to the body of Christ. That's right. Man, if you're out on your own, I guarantee this is not prophesying doom or gloom over people's lives. I've just seen it over and over. When you live on your own, when you think you're an island, I don't need anybody else. I've got this. I don't need church. I don't need Jesus. I, I can just manage this. When you're living on your own, you will eventually live by sight and not faith. It, it just happens. We get caught up in our circumstances, in our situation. We think this is all there is and there's nothing else. And part of being connected to the family of God is you have people who stand alongside of you and say, hey, I know you're seeing that, but let's pray right now. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Have you ever needed help to get your eyes back on Jesus? We think it's like some automatic thing. Oh, because I'm filled with the Spirit. I'll just keep my eyes on Jesus all the time. Sometimes you need a real flesh and blood person to stand and put their arm around you and say, hey, you're thinking too much about the natural. Let's pray now and get our eyes back on Jesus. Let's start to worship. Let's have a, We don't need the whole band and 50 other people. We need to have worship right here, right now, just the two of us. Come on, that's why we need each other. Oh, gosh. Let us remind each other of faith and how we live not by sight but by faith. Here's, here's another verse that alludes to faith and sight shaping our perspective. Somebody sent me this this week, and I thought it was a great verse, so I put it in here. That doesn't mean every verse you send me is going to get up on the screen. Just saying that in advance. But... This one I really like this week. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, or I think you could say the natural world, you're living according to sight. You're only going by what you see in the natural and what your body feels, how you're thinking about things. It says those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. Come on, living by sight puts more weight on the flesh. What do you see? How do you feel? Look at the natural circumstances. Living by faith puts more weight on what is the Spirit saying to me right now. And as I look at those verses, the things that shape our outlook, daily decisions produce different perspectives. And I I would love for you to think, oh, one time I met Jesus and now my perspective is going to be right for the rest of my life. But it is a daily discipline. Ooh, don't we hate that word in church? <laughs> or, or almost any other aspect of life? Oh, discipline. Ugh. Like, maybe that's just me. You guys love that word, but I think about... You know, maybe you think about when you're a kid. You're, that was the euphemism for you're in trouble. You're going to get disciplined. Wait till... Come on. There are disciplines that we do. Even the Apostle Paul said, I buffet my body. I put things in place that discipline my life to do things that are going to help me walk by the Spirit. 
And that's part of it, is am I going to choose to look at what I see in the natural and believe that, or am I going to live by faith? And those are daily decisions, and it will produce a different perspective in your life. You, I think there are some people, you can talk to them for five minutes, and you can tell what perspective, what worldview they have, and has it been shaped by faith or sight. Oh, that's really good, Pastor Chris. Now tell us something that will make us all happy. Come on, even, think about even the word we heard this morning. God's, God, God is actively doing things right now in the unseen, and he's going to start to release them where we can see them. Come on, that, that doesn't happen by living by sight. That happens by living by faith. God, I believe that you are active right now in my life in places that I can't even see, doing and shifting circumstances that I'm not even aware of. You're doing it, and I believe it, and I'm going to keep walking until I see it. Man, I think perspectives that are shaped by sight are the ones that people are fighting about right now. And we need to be different. We're people that live shaped by faith. And so what we've been doing during this series, you you may not follow the whole thread of what we're doing here, but we've been laying out a path to be able to deal with the differing perspectives that we have with people in life. Is there there anybody in this room, just to check that I'm talking to the right crowd, is there anybody in the room right now that you have somebody in your life that sees things way different than you? All right, that's, that's just my check to make sure you're awake. You, if you're awake, you raised your hand on that one because that should be a 100% thing. Unless you are a hermit living in a cave on an island somewhere, if you have another person in your life, there's an opportunity for you to see things really different. And we're talking about, we're leading up to, we're developing a path. How do we navigate those differences in love? How do we look like Jesus in those circumstances? And, and that's part of what we've been doing in this series. Week one, we said this path starts with focusing on the king. It's hard to have heaven's perspective. It's hard to let your life be shaped if you're never looking at Jesus. And then the second week, we talked about seeing yourself the same way that God sees you. This, this is just like, if, if you haven't flown in a while because of COVID, you've probably forgotten this. But one of the things that the stewardess gets up there, the, the presentation they've done like 50 bazillion times, they talk about when the air masks, you know, if, you, if there's a loss of cabin pressure, air masks will fall from the ceiling. Do you, how many of you tune out during that presentation? <laughs> like you're like, air, what air masks and flotation devices? I'm on a plane. Like what's that? Come on, what, is, what does she always say? What is, or the steward. I'm not, it's not just stewardesses. Right. could be a steward. What does that person who's giving that announcement always say about the masks that drop from the ceiling? Yours first. Put yours on first and then help everybody else. But you're thinking, but what about my kids or my spouse, the person I love most in the world sitting in the seat right next to me? Shouldn't I help them? And they said, no, put yours on first because you can't help anybody else if you pass out. That's part of why I focus on the king. Then the very next step is, what's heaven say about me first? Because yes. it's hard to help anybody else if you don't have heaven's perspective about you first. Yeah. If you think you're worthless, you think you're broken, you think you're, you're supposed to be walking around with guilt and shame heaped on your life, you're never going to be in a position to help anybody else. You're going to pass out while the oxygen masks that could have saved you are dangling from the ceiling. Oh, that, 
might be a good analogy or it might not be. I have no clue, but that's the picture I got. And so today, what that leads up to, we're, we're talking about, we're building this case of how to deal with each other and our differences. We need to see Jesus. We need to see what he says about ourselves. We need to see others the same way that Jesus sees them. That's the next step on this path. That's the next step we need to take. Okay, Jesus, I hear what you're saying about me. Now help me see other people the same way that you see them. Man, if we're not focusing on the king, we can't get heaven's perspective. If we're not sure of heaven's perspective of us, we walk around with pride, arrogance, all these things that foul up our relationships. If we don't see others the way that Jesus sees them, those differences are the biggest thing we see about those people. Here's a reminder about how God sees people. In the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel, uh, he was called by God to go anoint a new king of Israel. King Saul was the one that was leading the people, and he had disobeyed God. God was going to remove him from the throne, and so God showed up to Samuel and said, hey, you need to go over to Jesse's house. Not Jesse here, not, not the Mamita's household, but he says, you need to go to Jesse's house, and one of his sons is the next king of Israel. I'm going to talk to you when you get there. Don't you find out, isn't that frustrating that God's, he'll tell you to do something, but he doesn't give you the details till later? He's like, just go start doing that, and I'll fill in the blanks later. It's like, God, I don't. Come on, faith versus sight is a daily decision we get to make. Am I going to take that step of faith and let him fill in the blanks later? And that's exactly what he did to Samuel. Thank God, you're not as unique as you think. God does that to everybody through history. He says, Samuel, just go to Jesse's house. I'll tell you who the next king is when you get there. And Samuel, he goes to Jesse's house, and he's still, I think, Samuel's thinking in the back of his mind about how they picked King Saul. Because it says King Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was handsome. He looked like a king. Like, there would be no mistake. And if you're saying, here's this crowd of people, which one do you think is going to be the king? They all pick Saul. And so Jesse starts parading his sons in front of Samuel. He says, hey, guys, come here. Samuel's going to anoint one of you to be the king. You're the oldest one. You go first. Start walking in front of him. And this oldest son walks in front of Samuel. He looks good. He probably looks more like Saul. And Samuel's thinking, yes, I came to the right house. It literally says Samuel's thinking in his heart, surely the Lord's anointed stands here in front of me. Like, you've got to be the guy. And God says, no. Nope. Not the one. Your, your pick didn't work out so well last time. How about I pick this time? Well, there's a whole sermon in there, too. I don't care what it is. Just tell them right now, Lord, I'd rather have your pick than my pick. It, it doesn't matter what situation it is, what you're dealing with right now, what you're trying to navigate. Just say, God, I want your pick, not my own. And so God starts to tell Samuel he's not the one. And this is what it says, 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord, this is him, God himself speaking to Samuel. He says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God said, the things man looks at. What does man look at? Man looks at the stuff on the outside that defines us. That kind of, or how we define each other. Maybe we'll put it that way. That's what man looks like. Man, mankind says, hey, I'm going to look at you and put you in a box. You ever met somebody that does that? Or do we do that to other people? I've, I already have put you in a category in my mind before I even got to know you. I've labeled you. I've, I've put something on you that affects how I see you every time. Wow. The outward stuff. 
Is it a man or a woman? Did they say they're gay or straight or one of those other letters? Come on, are they Republican or Democrat or Independent? Do they like football, baseball, hockey, or soccer? Come on. <laughs> we, we, we denigrate some of those people because you like a different sport. You're weird, man. Yeah, and I'm not going to go there. Thank God for golfers. Come on, think about the outward labels that we look at and we put on people. Where you're from, your ethnic background, the color of your skin. Are you rich or are you poor? Are you young or are you old? Are you fat or are you skinny? Come on, oh, I don't want to take my picture with you because you wouldn't look good on social media in my crowd of friends. Or in my case, if I want to take my picture with you, it's because you might make me look skinnier. And that's... You know what is all wrong? God says, I don't see people that way. Says I look at what's going on on the inside. Yes. He doesn't other people. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yep. When it's almost like we've used that as a verb now, the, the act of othering. I'm going to put you in some category that's different than me, and my category is obviously better than yours. God doesn't other people. He says I look at what's going on in people's hearts. When we evaluate people according to the externalities of their lives, the things that we see on the outside, that is not heaven's perspective. Everybody say not. Not. Just so I know you're with me on that page. When we look and we define people by what we see on the outside, we're not living by faith. We're living by sight. As soon as we allow outside things to define people in our lives, we are not acting like the Father. Let me, let me just back up and say one other thought. It's okay to see differences because we are different, right? Like you're not burying your head in the sand. To, even to see the difference in the color of our skin or our height or out. It's not bad to see differences. Just don't assign value based on those things. Don't assign identity based on those things. You can't... Oh, I, I have friends that have a different skin tone than me. And it irritates them when people say, well, I don't see color. And the person's like, but I want you to see color. I want you to appreciate who I am. I, I am different than you, but don't define me by those differences. You guys know what I mean by that? So when I say God looks at the inside, it, it's not that he sees a bunch of robots that are all the same and look exactly alike. We are, we are different, but what's on the inside is what counts. So what's this mean practically? <laughs> oh, Anybody, is it okay to admit this in a Sunday morning in church with a room full of believers, but are there anybody in this room, are there people that you avoid? Like, do you have a certain group of people? Or I'm, I'm hearing some yeps, so it's not just me. Oh, thank God. I was worried for a minute. Like, I'm the only one that ever feels this way. It's, People that we might want to avoid or people that we might not want to have anything to do with could be the very ones that God wants yes. us to cultivate a relationship yes. with. Yes. Come on. We write off whole groups of people yes. or even individuals and they might be the very one that God's saying, hey, I want you to find out who they are. Listen to what makes them tick. Find out how they got to be what you see on the outside. That might be the person that God wants in your life. 
When, when I think about people you avoid, or I'm saying that, what pictures came into your mind? Maybe you're thinking of uneducated people. Maybe you don't want to be around them, or, or hotheads. Anybody get easily upset that you're like, oh, I just want to avoid that guy? Or maybe greedy people, or IRS agents. I don't know who you want to avoid. Uh, maybe, maybe fringe political people, any of those we want to avoid sometimes. We look at those, and we separate, and we, we keep them separate, Jesus looked at a group of people like that and called them disciples. And Jesus looked at that group of people, honestly, uneducated people, hotheads, tax collectors, or IRS agents, I don't care, crazy political people, and Jesus said, that's just the kind of guys that I could use. Only Jesus saw potential in those guys whatever those guys were, whatever that other group was, and he called them to follow him. He was walking by faith, not by sight. I believe the Father has given you to me. You could come be my disciple. I believe your life could be transformed. And he called them to follow him. These, Come on, think about the disciples. None of the disciples were part of the upper crust. None of them were the ones that got picked for sports in school. Come on, have you ever, oh God, do you, do you need some trauma healing? If you were ever the last one picked for a sport at school, you're over there against the wall with everybody else and one by one, like they're picking teams and everybody else goes over to somebody and you're the last one standing there like, guess nobody wants me. That's who the disciples were. They were the last ones picked. They were the guys that were still unsigned after draft day. Don't want you on our team. None of the Jewish leaders had picked them to come be their disciples. None of the other priests or the guys that loved God and followed him and tried to keep the law, none of those guys said, hey, come let me train you. I see potential in you. But yeah. Jesus did. I didn't get accepted into seminary. I guess I'll just fish. Come on, Judas Iscariot actually stole from the group and betrayed Jesus. And he still said, hey, you come be in my group. There was literally a disciple named Simon the Zealot. Did you ever read that verse and you think, oh, that's nice. He was zealous for Jesus. That's not what that meant. The zealots were the fringe political guys. They, the, the zealots later, they changed their name to the Sicarii because they carried these little daggers and they would assassinate people. They would go into crowds and stab Roman soldiers in the back while nobody was looking. Come on. Simon was a zealot. That's the part of the group he was with. Can you imagine? Super assassin, Simon the Zealot. Come be part of my group. Can you imagine Jesus having a conversation with Simon the Zealot? How did that sound? If somebody strikes you on the right cheek, oh, fake like I'm a hurt so I can then stab him? No. Turn the other cheek. Oh, so then like they get distracted and then I can stab him from the side. And I just, Jesus like shaking his head like, all right, no, no, no. Say, say a soldier asked you to carry a burden a mile. Oh, stab him while he's giving me the pack. Carry it two miles. Oh, stab it when I give him back to him. Yeah, like, come on. That's who Simon was. He loved the law. He was zealous for keeping the law, and he wanted to kill Roman people, and Jesus still said, come be part of my group. I see potential in you. I look beyond the outward things, and I see what's going on in your heart. 
Come on, all of these guys that Jesus called, they weren't on mission with Jesus when he called them. They weren't on the same page. They were not kingdom seekers. They were all over the map. And Jesus said, you're just the kind of people that I want to be around me. Do we really want to be like Jesus? Come on, sometimes we say, I want to be like Jesus. And we stop at that picture of saying, well, I just want to be nice. Like I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be kind to people. I want to be patient, all those things. Do we really want to be like Jesus in this world? Because he reached out to people that weren't like him at all. He surrounded himself with people that were cast off from society. The people that nobody else would give the time of day. Jesus said, hey, why don't you come move in with me? Come hang out with me every day for three years. I have no idea how long it took them to get a clue even. Can you imagine trying to corral a group of people that had 12 different worldviews? And in the, in the first week, how's that going? In the first month, in the first year, I don't know how long it took, but Jesus said, come be with me. And if we want to be like Jesus, maybe part of it is evaluating who's in our circle. Do they all look like us? Or have we made space for marginalized and outcast? People that are different than us. Come on, some of those guys, we'd hesitate to even have a conversation with them. And Jesus said, come follow me. Be part of my gang. Have we written anybody off because they don't see things the way we do? It's a great opportunity to repent and say, I want to be like Jesus. Oh, this is a good word. I'm so excited I got to share this today. Oh. In, in our journey to be more like Jesus, I guarantee you will be confronted with opportunities to choose to see people by faith or by sight, to see people the way the world sees them or to see them the way Jesus sees them. Jesus repeatedly in the scriptures says he was moved with compassion. There there were things that he said, I love them. I want to be with them. I value them. In fact, he loved and valued those people so much that he would even stoop down in the dirt with a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and say, "I'm, I'm here for you. Where's everybody else that's accusing you? Where'd they go? Oh. Can you imagine? Like, I have a hard enough time grasping that the creator of the universe sitting out in eternity where everything is perfect and his word is done like that, that he would step out of that place to come walk as a human, that he would stoop down that low, but then to go even lower and say, man, here's this woman who should be stoned. She was caught in the act. And all the religious leaders stand there with their rocks and he stoops down in the dirt. How low are we willing to go? I don't mean low like the bad road, like 
oh, I could be more underhanded than you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the path of humility. How low are we willing to go? God looks at the heart. And it's hard to see someone's heart if we don't even know them. If we don't even take the time for them if we don't listen. It's the last verse I want to read this morning. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it says, later Matthew. So Matthew was one of the people that Jesus invited to be in his gang. He called him. Matthew uh, was a tax collector. He was one of the outcasts that nobody wanted to be around. It says, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Everybody say disreputable. Just because that's a fun word. I didn't want you to say it for any other reason. Come on, those, those are the people that nobody wants to hang out with. If I'm seen with that person, it'll get around everybody else and they'll think less of me. Mm-hmm. Tax collectors and sinners. And when the religious people, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? What do you really think about those people? Come on, quit beating around the bush scum the the dregs of society the worst of the worst the people that i don't even want to come in contact with them why does your teacher eat with those people and when jesus heard this he said healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do this is the god of the universe we're talking about the the holy one the spotless lamb the sinless one eating with sinners at a tax collector's house The religious people called his dinner companions scum. Maybe that's good inventory to just say, Lord, have I ever used that language about anybody else? I think Jesus had been using much different language with the people he was eating dinner with than calling them scum. I think he was listening to their stories, hearing about their lives, communicating value to them, Man, God created you. He loves you. I think those are the things Jesus was saying. Because think about it for a second. How much value, how deep would you have to go to build a relationship with somebody that you could call them sick and they don't get offended at you? Because think about that. Jesus is sitting with this group of people. The Pharisees say, look, they're scum. Why are you eating with them? And in front of everybody who's there at the table, including those sinners, the tax collectors, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Wouldn't somebody get ticked off at that? They're sitting at the dinner table. Did he just call us sick? Like, that might have been an insult. I'm not sure. How much value do you have to put on to somebody before they could even hear you say, oh, they, they're not completely right. They got issues. Stuff is jacked up in their lives. They're sick. And you don't get mad. You love them even more. If we want to really be like Jesus, those are the kind of relationships we have to build with people. <laughs> oh... I got more to say about this, but I need to land somewhere. Jesus often came in contact with people that had nothing to give back to him. Come on, the woman at the well, Samaritan, she's a sinner. She's sleeping around. What would she have of value that Jesus would say, hey, I'm going to stop and build a relationship with her? 
Zacchaeus, one of the most notorious tax collector sinners. Everybody hated him. What could he possibly be back, give back to Jesus? Plus the fact that he was short. Any, short, any height discriminators in the room? He had nothing to give back. What about the thief on the cross? Talk about, you know, at least, at least a woman in the, at the well went back and evangelized her city. At least Zacchaeus changed his life and said, look, I'll give everybody their money back. What did the thief on the cross have to give back to Jesus? And Jesus literally looked at him and says, you're going to be with me today in paradise. All this is going to be not even a memory to you. You're going to be with me. That's how Jesus treated people. In their hearts, God looks at the heart. In their hearts, they were all just like us at one time. We were all desperately lost. We needed a Savior. We needed somebody to come change our lives. We needed an encounter with Jesus that would transform us. This is where I want to land with an action item. It's, it's a simple one. It's just one word. It says, listen. I think there are people that need to be listened to. Maybe one person you're thinking of, maybe a whole group of people that they need to know they're heard. Do you know when you, when you listen to people, just the, the act of listening doesn't say, hey, I, I agree with or I, I condone everything you're doing. Listening communicates value. It says, hey, I, I appreciate your story. I want to hear what's going on here. I want to know. I want to get to know you. That's what listening does. I think listening opens the door to building a relationship so that you can begin to talk about the things that really matter in eternity. How many of you think this action item is too hard to do? Like, like anybody sitting there thinking, man, I could never listen to anybody else that's different than me, that has a different worldview. Come on, it is so simple. We overcomplicate things. We think, oh, I got I to gotta memorize the Romans road and hit them with that right out of the gate. How about listen first and find out who they are. Try to see them through the eyes that God sees them through. Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you all. You've been patient this morning. Sitting right next to you in this room are people that Jesus loved enough to die for them. And you know what? You're going to find that wherever you go next. You could go to a restaurant. People sitting next to you, Jesus loved them enough to step out of eternity and die for them. Regardless of what color hair they have or how many piercings they have or what candidate sticker they have on their jacket. Like, I don't care about all that stuff. What's in your heart? And it starts with listening. God, help us. Help us to listen. 
Help us to value people the way that you value them. Let us see beyond differences. Let us see beyond our natural eyes the things on the outside that define people or give them value. Let us see beyond that and let us begin to value people the way you do. Let us have your heart. Let us have your attitudes towards them. Let us see those people and say, man, those might be exactly the people that Jesus is calling me to build a relationship with. God, we have good news. (laughs) We have a treasure that you've entrusted to us to give away to others. Let Let us listen so well that people are hungry to receive what we have to give. hearing the scripture where it talks about God makes a way before us and he goes and prepares a path and and we always think that that's like oh he's going to cause roadblocks to be removed so things will go smoothly in my life and that may be true there's an aspect of that but sometimes what if that path is here's who I have for you to meet today here's another person that I, that you're going to encounter later what if what if the path isn't so much about the choices we make or what happens in our, but the people that God's placed in our lives. And we're so caught up in saying, God, direct my path. As long as I don't have to talk to that person. God, direct our path, no matter who it includes. Thank you that when you're walking with us, Nothing's impossible. The atmosphere is filled with love and joy and peace. Thank you that your kingdom surrounds us. That very atmosphere that you carried with you, it is ours to release to others. Let us be faithful to do that. God, I ask that we would, we would leave this place encouraged by knowing that you're with us. You've, you have empowered us to do the things that we're talking about today. It's not too hard when you're with us. Lord, let us begin to see your activity happen more and more around us in the lives of people. If you're in this place today or you're watching online and and you've never actually started a relationship with Jesus, you've said, I'm I'm not a believer, but something's stirring in your heart, I just want to encourage you, it's okay to take a step of faith. You don't even have to understand it all. You can just say, Jesus... I'm hearing that you are the Lord, that you died on the cross so that I could know God. You want to be my Savior and my Lord. That belief comes alive in you, and you receive a new life in that moment. If if you need to do that today or you're doing it for the first time, just come up and pray with one of us after service or send us a note if you're watching online. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Lord. God, I thank you that everybody that we see when we leave this place, just remind us that they were worth the price of your blood and your suffering. That you died so that they could be known by you and you could know them. God, bless us indeed as we leave this place. 
Let your goodness and your mercy overflow out of our lives to everyone around us. We just honor you now. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.